Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And today, my guest is 18 year old Lucia Rubisi. Lucia is a teen artist, a radical feminist, an activist, and just an overall inspirational badass. Uh, we talk about her collection with Yves Saint Laurent. We talk about a cool new art collective that she's working with in Los Angeles called Junior High that supports marginalized groups. Uh, we talk about her feeling alienated in high school and her path to self-discovery. We talk about how feminism is uh, leading by example and how you need to take radical action in your life. We talk about how essentially women are prey uh, and this huge realization that I've had recently that uh, – to a lot of men, uh, women exist only to be fucked, um, and how disgusting and wrong that is. And, uh, just to be aware of that. We talk about sexual power and sexual objectification, fighting against predators. And we talk about the subtle thing that I've been noticing lately about how, when I'm confident and, uh, just feeling happy, I'm not cocky or vigilant or anything, but I, when I walk into certain situations, like I walked into a situation the other day, a party or something, uh, and walked up to a group, of, a group of men talking, uh, I got this very subtle vibe that they were angry at how confident and, and, and at ease I seemed. Uh, and I know you girls know what I'm talking about. It's this weird, subtle, slightly beneath the surface vibe from men who, who you know that if you're too confident and too yourself, uh, they're thinking, who the fuck does this bitch think she is to fucking talk to us like she's allowed to exist? You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? And I actually have talked about this with my with uh, I've I have like lots of guy friends. Uh, some of them are gay, some of them are straight. All of them are very effeminate, and uh, they experience this like the same subtleties from this like weird macho uh, like the masculinity that exists in this culture. Um, there's actually a documentary about it called The Mask You Live In, and uh, here's, here's how they describe the documentary. It is about boys and men and how they struggle to stay true to themselves while negotiating America's narrow definition of masculinity. Um, Lucia and I talk about a million different things, from like acne to the morning after pill. We talk about microdosing mushrooms for depression, uh, about how girls should carry condoms because men don't, and uh, just how like the most – an incredible thing you can do as a woman is to just like do whatever the fuck you want to do. That's feminism. Be loud. Society doesn't like loud women. If you're one of those people, turn this podcast off immediately. Um, and she's just trying to lead by example and figure it all out and make a difference and make a contribution. And, uh, yeah, I'm just lucky I get to talk to her, especially this week where I just feel like it's been a very heartbreaking week as far as, uh, just so many things, you know, like, the Stanford rape, uh, but the girl who was unconscious, uh, being raped behind a dumpster, um, by some fucking creepy, horrible predator that just fucking raped her. And luckily two guys came by on bikes, saw what was happening, uh, yanked him off her, this unconscious, precious, uh, girl, uh, called the police and he got arrested and, uh, he's only getting charged six months and, uh, He's only going to go to jail for six months. But she wrote a letter 
the, the girl, the rape victim wrote a letter to the rapist. Um, and it's just heartbreaking. She didn't even know what happened to her. She, she woke up in the hospital and didn't even know what happened to her until she read about, uh, what happened in the newspaper. So, uh, it just brought up a lot of stuff for me and a lot of people, obviously, because as girls, you know, this could have been any one of us. I know that, that uh, me and my girlfriends, if, if you're a woman and you go out and you don't eat enough or you drink too quickly, if you drink alcohol too quickly, our bodies metabolize alcohol differently than men. We're just more sensitive. And, uh, I've been in a lot of fucking precarious situations and, uh, you know, and, and luckily I've, I've, I've been okay. I've been, you know, I've, I've ended up in some really sticky, horrible situations because I drank too much and I didn't eat enough or whatever. I just ended up in shitty situations, but her situation is, uh, heartbreaking and dire and, uh, just made me worried about people. And I don't want to think of all men as predators. I know this guy doesn't represent every man. I know that, but it just terrifies me because it made me uh, wake up to the fact that of all these things I've noticed as I've, I've been growing up and, you know, from when I was younger all the way till like now where like as a young girl, I'd be walking home from a bus stop and, uh, and guys would, would trail me in their car and, uh, I'd look over and I'd be like, what are they doing? And they'd be jerking off, staring at me, like drooling or, you know, cutting me off and blocking my path, uh, in alleyways. And even a few weeks ago, I was, I was walking home from, from recording a podcast and the things that guys would whisper to me and yell at me and these sexual gross, disgusting things. They'd whisper in my ear, walking past me, like having no sense of personal space and just, or telling me to smile and all these things that you, you girls, we know, you know what I'm talking about. And it's just, I just got fed up because I just thought, fuck this, fuck this. Like, this is just how it is for girls. So you can just be, we're just because we exist and we walk past a guy, we could be spoken to like this because we just exist to be fucked. We're just fucking like, it's just disgusting. It made me so sad and uh, made me worried about girls. And, uh, even there's a thing going on in, in Silver Lake recently where like seven girls were roofied. And, uh, I saw it on a tweet that Kate, Kate Berlant, a comedian, uh, artist tweeted something about how, uh, seven girls she knew were roofied at this bar called Tenants of Trees. And I go to this bar. I like the bar. It's nothing against the bar. But I retweeted Kate Berlant's tweet so to, to give girls a heads up and to be careful. And uh, and then I put it on my Instagram as well because I also heard that, like, this guy roofing people, um, whoever he is, people are trying to find him. But he's been doing it at a bunch of different bars in Silver Lake. And that's terrifying. And I couldn't believe the backlash that I got not only from men, but from women who got mad at me because they were sticking up for the bar and they didn't want the bar to get a bad reputation. They didn't care that I was just trying to alert girls just to be more careful and cautious because some creepazoid is, is rolling around. So that was shocking to me. And, uh, yeah, it was just anyway. Uh, and then the mass shooting, uh, massacre at a, at a gay nightclub in Orlando, and, uh, where so many people, you know, were murdered and injured and that was devastating and a wake up call for me because I clearly live in a bubble. I live, I was born and raised in, in Los Angeles. I have t like tons of 
uh, gay friends and friends who are like of different ethnicities and sexual orientation or whatever. And I forget, oh yeah, people get angry about religion and people are homophobic and people are just filled with hatred and rage and, and then things like this happen and it's just so unnecessary and makes me so sad. And, uh, and I just had to mention these things. I know I'm rambling and I don't usually have long intros, but I just wanted to say that if anybody wants to help, uh, I just, just now read this thing on mtv.com. It just popped up, uh, an article called how to help Orlando. Uh, if you want to donate blood, you can go to equality Florida or one blood or the red cross, um, and give blood. That's very helpful. You can also call the Trevor Project hotline. It's for LGBTQ youth or just anyone in need of support. Uh, that telephone number is 866-488-7386. And uh, for more info, read that article, How to Help Orlando, uh, available on mtv.com. And uh, but yeah, but back to my conversation with, um, getting back to my conversation with Lucia Rabisi. She's just so inspiring because she's she wants to make a difference. She's so loving. She's so thoughtful. She's so inquisitive and curious about life. And she is leading by example. She's doing whatever she wants to do. She doesn't give a fuck. And uh, she's not mean-spirited. But she, she's about uh, being exactly who she wants to be, not being ap- apologetic for it. And uh, we talk about a, a million different things. And I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. This is one of my favorite conversations I've had on the Love Alexi podcast. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Maiden Honey. Uh, if you like... This podcast, Love Alexi, and it makes you happy or laugh or learn or feel less alone or whatever, please subscribe to it on iTunes. Uh, leave a comment. Rate the show. I know it seems like a super like boring, dorky, unnecessary thing to do, but doing that will really help me grow the show so that I can keep doing it and you can keep listening to it. And I also think we should be friends on all of social media, on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, at Alexi Wasser. You can send emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. But now I am going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with teen, radical, feminist, activist, artist, inspiration, badass, and my friend, Lucia Rabisi. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello. Hi. All right. Now we're officially doing it. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. This is Aristotle. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. You guys, uh... Fully pointed, great, fantastic. All right, and you're sitting there if you want. Cool. Oh my God. You're a... All right. <laughs> now we can just be be ourselves. We can just be real in front of microphones and gossip. Um, to everybody listening, Lucia is my guest today. Lucia Rubisi. She got here early, and I actually had to walk away from her, so we didn't just start gossiping and like ruin the entire podcast. We had to save it. Aristotle, are you feeling good? Aristotle's feeling great. Lucia, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Can you hear yourself in your headphones? Yeah. Is this like too official? Is this like too embarrassing that we're just sitting across from each other? Like, I mean, it's pretty official. It's official, right? You're 18 and you know cooler shit. So is this embarrassing? <laughs> is podcasting embarrassing? Um, I don't think podcasting is embarrassing. Is being in this room with me embarrassing? No. Okay, cool. I That's, don't feel <laughs> embarrassed at all. You're 18. Aristotle is 23 on the verge of being 24. And I'm uh, I'm somewhere in between all of that, guys. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right. Tell me everything. Okay, what is going on? How do we meet? This is where I want to start. Oh. How the hell do we meet? Because I feel like I've known you since you were, like, in I your mom's know. belly. I mean, I've been... I've seen you around. You've seen me around? <laughs> well, I've seen you around for years. Well, that's our show, folks. And I uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. Um, um, I remember... Oh, oh, oh. Okay. 
the first time we like acknowledged each other. Okay. We were at this party and I was wearing some stripy leggings. What? And you were like, let's start a band. I like those leggings. Your butt looks so nice. And Did I was I like, say I'm that? 14. Oh my God. Are you serious? Am I like a weird child predator kind of? But it's okay because I'm a girl. No, no. It was cool. Oh my God. Okay, I, I, I expect you to explain gender gender fluidity to me, uh, or whatever that means. Uh, fem- yeah. Feminism, because you are, okay. uh, you, Teen Vogue called you a feminist, so I feel like, all right, she's going to tell us all about it. <laughs> um, so 14, I accosted you at a party, and essentially like, uh, <laughs> emotionally raped you, uh, is what you're saying. No, no, I oh. mean, then we had a band, so. Okay, <laughs> did we have a band? Because here's what I remember. I remember running into you. Can you tell me the story and then I'll tell you what I remember because, you know, memories are uh, okay. also fluid, uh, like sexuality and uh, and gender or whatever. I'm just trying to be cool and say, like, cool stuff. Okay, what? Well, I saw you at this party and then... and then Whose party? Somebody famous? No, I don't think so. All right, you can still talk about it. Was it was some fancy party in uh, Mount Washington. Mount Washington. <laughs> Most of the hills. Keep going. <laughs> some kind of hills. That's where Aristotle lives, right? Kind of? Atwater? Yeah. Glendale, Atwater, yeah. Mount Washington. How dare you guys try to find out where Aristotle lives and stalk him? It's my job <laughs> to constantly text him at all hours of the uh, night. And, Hello. Okay. Where? And then, and then, and then you would pick me up from high school, and we would go record music. Uh, I've never sounded like a child molester <laughs> more than today. Okay, so I met you at a party. You were yeah. fourteen, wearing striped leggings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're tuning in now, I'm talking to Lucia Rubisi, artist, feminist. Cool girl at large. Uh, anyway, <laughs> okay. Met you when you're 14. Complimented your stripy leggings and your butt, and then started just picking you up from school for our fictitious band. It sounds yeah. like I'm a child predator molester, which I am not. All right. <laughs> and if I were, it's alleged. No, I mean, I felt like Ugh. we were doing like a sister thing, but yeah, a sister thing. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Here's what happened. Okay, so I um. I remember, like, we texted, and I guess I feel like, okay, if I have young friends, that makes me the same age you are or something. Or maybe yeah. maybe I'm just trying to, like, reclaim my youth that uh, felt out of control to me when I was experiencing it. But I was like, okay, I can get my youth back by just befriending a girl much younger than me who seems to think I'm cool and like me. And yeah. have an openness and willingness to hang out, right? Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I'm... 14 and I want to be 40 and <laughs> and you look 40 and uh, this could be everything I wanted <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey wait a minute I did not look 40 you did not look 40 oh my god I I was kind of doing the same thing opposite <laughs> <laughs> so I would pick I remember okay I would pick you up from your old high school can I name the high school yeah I o- went to Oakwood Oakwood high school and I remember I had friends who went to that school and I yeah. even spoke at that high school years ago I like was a guest speaker because the kids voted me because they liked my blog or something yeah. so I was like a weird guest speaker there that all the teachers and faculty were like what what is she doing here and uh <laughs> what wait get her out of here um so I would pick you up from school and then take you to a rehearsal space in the valley yeah but neither one of us played instruments. Yeah. So we, we invited. Who was the guy that we were playing with? I forgot his name. Oh, your well, friend. Your friend. Well, Emmett came. Okay, this is getting real inside, <laughs> real inside and uninteresting. But here's wait. This is what I remember doing. I would pick you up from high school, uh, drive you to a rehearsal space. Neither one of us played instruments, so we would just. Um, we would pretend we we're performing at Coachella. Yeah. Both be on the microphone singing cover songs, trying to harmonize, recording these songs on my iPhone. Yeah. Uh, 
and then just pretend we were talking to an audience that didn't exist at Coachella when the sun was coming down and be like, turn around, don't look at us. Look at us. Like, we're like, we're like totally weird. And like, there's a drum kit. There was like, we could like, but it was just you and me just in a room. Yeah, there's no need to. We couldn't really do any. We didn't do anything with it. Why do we, why do we rent the space? It made no sense. They, just for the microphones? We could have been podcasting. And that's why we're here now. Yeah. It's all come full circle. I think that was before the podcasting. Existed in general? Before your podcast. Listen, this is where we're at now. Let's be present. So, um. So I came real close to being a child predator, apparently, dodged that bullet, thank God, and now here we are with the table in between us, yeah. headphones on microphones. So w- here's what I don't because you graduated high school. I sort of graduated high school. And now you're like this, I want to hear about that, and I want to know, like, you became, all of a sudden I'm seeing all these Facebook updates, and you have, like, the most exciting, bizarro life where you're, like, an artist, you're gallivanting around the globe, like, uh, you are, you did a collaboration with Saint, Saint Laurent? Saint Laurent. How do you say yeah. it? Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent. So okay, you did a fancy collaboration with this fancy uh, classic uh, fashion label or whatever. I don't know how that happened. Also, you're like doing weird dick art. What are you doing? What are you yeah. up to? What the hell is going on with you? And like, who are you dating? What's like? Tell me. How did you go from? Because didn't you feel a little bit alienated in high school? Like things were weird. Yeah, I had like a I had a really crazy experience in school before I started high school. I had like all this family junk that, like, exploded in my face. So then I kind of started high school on a bad foot. And I, when I went into middle school, I wanted to be a neuroscientist. And I went around and told everyone that I was going to be a scientist, and it was a whole thing. And then I was, like, really badly bullied, and a bunch of shit went down. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I was meant to make art. I have to, like, express myself in an extreme and radical way. So I switched to Oakwood, which was, like, amazing for me uh, at the time because I had a lot of resources in the arts, but also, like, super supportive teachers. Um, But then I would go away every summer and do these art programs that were, like, intensive painting, like, all day, every day, all summer. What what, uh, art places? I did a bunch. I did I did UCLA. I did um, SVA pre college, Interlochen, Idlewild Arts. Oh my god! Um, and like Red Cameras Camp. I did a what? Bunch of shit. Red Cameras Camp? Yeah. So you know how to use a Red Camera? Yeah. So you could DP a, a short film. I'm ready. A director also. <laughs> Are you? Um, Who paid yeah. for all this stuff? This is amazing. Yeah. Well, my family did. Fantastic. Which was fantastic. Good. Okay. Keep going. Um, and then so after like tenth grade, I. I was so freaked out going into 11th grade because all of my friends had left school. I was only friends with seniors. All of them left, and then it happened again, and it was, like, really stressful at the time. Um, and it felt like everyone in my grade was uh, really afraid of me. They were afraid of you? Or that, like, I just couldn't... I couldn't assimilate. I was... I mean, I love a lot of those people, but... It was really scary to be in school. When did I meet you? When, when was I picking when up? Was I that was in ninth grade? grade. In ninth grade? Yeah. Predator. <laughs> coming after the ninth grade. I'm just I'm going to stop making this joke because it's not funny anymore. Um, it is just a joke. Okay. And then um, beginning of 11th grade, I was like in dance class with some of my friends, whatever. And I saw like, I looked around and I was like, whoa, all these people like hate themselves so much and don't want to be here. And I don't really want to be here either. And I felt like 
if I made my own decision to leave, then I would be more in control of my life and therefore feel more fulfilled. So I um, faked an injury and went to the ER with my dad and told him that I had to leave high school. What was, the, what was the fake injury? I, well, I, it's actually a crazy story. I fell through a skylight the summer before. Did you really? Yeah. So was- I, I like had this rib thing that was kind of vaguely painful, but I was like, ow, like, fuck, I have to get, like, take me to the hospital, basically. Yeah. And my dance teacher was like, okay, whatever. Um, so then I was in, like, sitting in the waiting room of the ER, gonna get an x-ray that I didn't need. And, um, I signed up for my GED. And that's, like, the test that you take to test out of high school. And then, um, I just spent a lot of time painting that winter. And I ended up going to this art program kind of last minute in Napa called the Oxbow School, which totally changed my life. Yeah. um, the schools, it's an art program, but also a regular high school, but all of your classes are in one. So you have four teachers teaching like the same thing, but it's all of your subjects and everything is focused on activism and, um, really paying attention to the world around you and what's going on and, uh, how to address issues that you care about with your artwork. So, um, I had a radical, like, transformation. I was also in a program with only 40 people. Like, only six of them were boys. It was, like, mostly girls. And Napa's super isolating. So it was all making work and learning how to talk about it. And then um, as I was leaving that, I one day woke up to a text from Hedy Slimane. What? That was like, hey, we're interested in looking at some of your paintings. How did that happen? Honestly, I I've heard that they found my stuff on Facebook. Oh wow! And then and he was wait, by they you mean Yves Saint Laurent? Laurent? Yeah, like oh, yeah. somebody in the com- they like stalk people on Facebook. Oh, they or do. At least they did Instagram like, or Facebook. Just both. oh wow! They have like screenshots of all my friends. It was kind of cool. Oh wow! It's <laughs> Honestly, very cool. really cool. Yeah. Um, Sometimes but, being stalked can be lame and embarrassing, but if it's the right person stalking you, it's fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, I, I kind of want to delete my Facebook, honestly, but it, the, the one thing that's holding me back is, like, I got this amazing job from just putting my artwork online. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Woke up to this text. My roommate, like, woke her. I woke my roommate up screaming. I was like... Oh my god, I'm so excited. Look at what just happened to me. Yeah. I can't believe it. Dream come true. Thought that they only did stuff with bands. I obviously don't play an instrument. Clearly, from our (laughs) band experience. Yeah, keep going. Um, So I... And I had some friends who had worked with them before, so I had that little, like, you know, this is is such a cool opportunity. Like, I'll never be able to do something like that because I'm not in a band. Who did you know who had worked with them before? Uh... Clem Creevy is in Cherry Glazer, and we, like, grew up in the same neighborhood, and we're really close in middle school. Oh, that's cool. You guys are the same age? Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of, actually, the people who ended up going to Paris for that collection were, like, a lot of the models were street cast from L.A., too, so I knew some people, and um, so then, like, a month after I got that text, 
I was in Paris watching my painting walk down the runway. Wait a minute. Explain this to me. What do you mean your painting? is like on clothing? Yeah. On a, so on a, what happened? I made a bunch of paintings that winter trying to leave high school and convince people that I was a real artist. Yeah. And Including your parents? Or they, do they back you and believe in you and support everything you wanted to do? It's kind of complicated because I ended up saving them a lot of money by leaving. So it was not so hard for them to say yes. Okay. Um but they wanted me to go to college, and I wanted to go to college, too. So I applied to a bunch of colleges and got in without having finished my senior year. Oh, really? But just, you have your GED, though, right? Yeah. Uh, what colleges? Um, well, I, I'm going to CalArts next year, but I oh. was thinking about going to New York and going to Pratt or something like that. This is all sounding very sexy. <laughs> okay, um, Okay. so take me... Okay, let's go back to... Yeah. So you did all these paintings. Mm-hmm. You get the text... Yeah. All these paintings exist. Yeah. And how do they end up on clothing? And how do you end up in Paris? They, they buy, uh, how do you say his so name? They, Eddie Slimane? Yeah. Eddie Slimane. Yeah. Eddie or Eddie? Eddie. Eddie. Just wondering, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. French pronunciation. Crazy. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Weird stuff. So I want the details. So, yeah. yeah. So I made, the, I made, I had this one, I was dating somebody really a lot older than me. Ooh, how much older? He was 25 and you were I was 17 okay and um I I was wondering if it was creepy I was like you know at this point questioning everything in my life and then questioning like these relationships that where I was only really friends with older people and dating somebody older who sometimes would be like hey babe like let's whatever go for a coffee simple whatever pet name yeah. But I wondered if this was diminutive or, uh, yeah, you know. And so I played around with a lot of these terms, like, um, that people refer to women as also, like, thirsty or, Ugh, you know. I hate those words, like yeah. Slutty, slut-shaming things. Yeah. So then I made a small series of paintings that had those words on them, um, just kind of showcasing how little uh, it really meant and how much I was thinking about it. It was, I mean, I think you can't really see in the painting all of that weight, but that's how it came to be. Um, so what was the, the conclusion? It doesn't matter if, if a guy you're dating calls you baby, uh, well, depending on the context or that these words uh, are irritating and should be. To me, I feel like it really depends on what it means to you. And being able, like, I think the most important thing is being able to speak up to your partner and say, like, this makes me uncomfortable, if it does. Did you say something to the 25-year-old guy? I oh. didn't. We just broke up. You Just recently? No. Or, or you just, you just like were, like, a while ago. you just felt uncomfortable in general and overall? Just I was just like, it. you know, I'm 18. I'm going to go do my thing. Yeah. And then I got this job that took me to Europe. Perfect. And then I was doing that for a while. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it it was all really quick. That was the th- like somebody recently asked me what the most memorable thing was working with Saint Laurent and it was like for me the most memorable part was the romanticism of it. Like what could this be and how far could this go and um you know dreaming about all the magic that these companies actually create and uh then it was like two weeks they took my painting took some photographs of it returned it to me 
And then two weeks later, I was in Paris, like, watching a sequin jacket with my painting on it. On they, the pay, they paid for the flight, though, right? Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Just taking care got, of my, got got my real baby. hooked up. <laughs> okay, cool. Where'd you stay? Um, I... I actually, for most of the time I was in Paris, I stayed at Soko's apartment. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Soko is a, is a cool French musician girl that I've interviewed before on my Alexi in bed thing, just for those people out there who are like, who the fuck is Soko? Yeah. All right. Um, I'm matching your energy. I gotta, I gotta pump was, it up again. She was definitely staying at my place, too. So it was like... She stayed at your place in switch. LA? We switched. What do you mean? Yeah. She stayed at my mom's house in LA oh. while I was at her house in Paris and I ended up staying in Paris for like a month so we're kind cool. of like sisters I would say it's fun when she's in LA because we have similar friends and whatever but it's yeah she's she, magical she's intense she's so intense she's a Scorpio she's oh god a French <laughs> Scorpio it's all I need in my life yeah, yeah she's very intense yeah but yeah um okay so you stayed one of those big sister people so I'm like the neurotic, uh, whatever, Woody Allen big sis, and she's like the sultry, cool Scorpio French big sis, which is probably like more fun. But uh, anyway, so you stayed at her place. Yeah. And I extended my trip super long. And then... um, How long? Like a month and a half. And then I wanted to come back to LA for my 18th birthday. And I had spent my time at school in Napa making this video about my transition into womanhood and what it felt like to leave high school without any kind of ceremony. So I made a ritual that transitioned myself into that, um, kind of honoring my childhood and bringing myself into womanhood. So it was important for me to come back for my 18th birthday because I was thinking about it and worrying about it a lot. Why? Why were you worrying? Did you miss your mom too? Um... It wasn't that. It was that, like, I feel like turning 18's terrifying because all of a sudden you're not really protected by the law anymore as a child. Like, you have certain rights as a child that you don't have as an adult. And I I actually did feel protected, even though, like, the law is really not so workable in a lot of cases. Like, what laws? Like... Like statutory rape laws. Oh God! You're already dating a 25 year old at 17. Yeah, but at least I was protected. Yeah, it's true. You felt cozy. <laughs> what did your mom say about that? By the way, um, my mom thinks that there's like a line. There's like the, uh, you know, people over 25 have to have like certain things accomplished. Yeah, and people under 25 are like all kind of figuring it out. What is that? So but, for her, yeah, she thinks that there's like a line. But was she okay with this 25-year-old guy you're dating? Because yeah. I have another 17-year-old friend who has, had been flirting with a, with a 25-year-old person. And she also had the same realization. She was like, this guy's a creep, I think. Like, what is this all about? Like, I'm kind of into him. But at the same time, I'm like, what? Yeah. Is this bizarre? You know? Yeah, I mean. Is he a loser? But That's a thing. Like, is he a loser? I mean, you're very cool. I don't know. He's cool. We had a fun time. Yeah. He was really nice to me. Yeah. He was really, like, respectful. But is he a loser? I don't know. It's just, like, weird. You look back on it, Does it matter? Does it matter? No, it doesn't. I'm not a loser. You're not a loser, for sure. Well, of course, you're never a loser. I can't really control... Listen. If if anyone else is a loser. It's different. No, if you you, you look back on it, because I remember, you know, having a... Like, making out, like, a a teacher of mine when he was, like, in his 30s. That's even creepier. (laughs) 
and we made out on my college on my, my high school campus on the day of graduation and I was like oh 18 years old and I look back now and you try to have coffee with me every year and I remember and I do look back going gross what high school did you go to I went to LA County High School for the Arts whoa so on the I campus know of Cal State LA a lot of people who went there it's a cool school I like the school. Yeah. Wait. So okay, we got there are a million things I want to ask you. So you're so you're in Paris. You extended your stay. Yeah. You come back to Los Angeles. You want to celebrate like your foray into womanhood. You made yeah. a video. What did this celebration involve? And like yeah. So then I I for my 18th birthday party through a fundraiser for to support uh, victims of human trafficking. Oh my God! How did this come about? This is this is amazing. Well, I'm an activist. This is so fantastic. Okay. I had to. I felt like I had to. I wanted to start really focusing all my time on activism and uh, spreading awareness and also raising money for people who need it. And um, I found an organization called Thorn where they go find these like these places where people have been cap like captured and held hostage and um they help women escape uh it's really difficult to find these people like it there's so many so many cases of human trafficking in the united states can't give you like exact facts right now but i don't want to mess anything up i want the facts um but it was important for me to like considering how many people are trapped in horrible situations where they're not in control of their bodies or their well-being or their spirit. Um, I felt a certain responsibility to, like, focus my attention on that. So then I I threw this show, um, and Soko DJed and Hearts Revolution played and um, Avalon Lurks. It was, like super crazy and then I showed one of my videos and a bunch of my friends came this is your 18th birthday party and you raised money for oh this is amazing yeah so how did you find out about Thorn and like what about that I mean I know I know why it means something to you but like uh, activism like how did was that something that happened when you were in Napa and you just realized like I'm an artist and this is and they taught you how to be an activist you said I mean I was always interested in activism that's why I chose the program at Oxbow because I knew that it was focused on social activism and also like sustainability. Um, I wanted to take environmental science and the science teacher there is incredible. So uh, I think, I mean, I was interested in those topics before and I had worked at Oakwood um, in a lot of different community service clubs and whatever feminism clubs and stuff like that. Um, but I had never, like, planned an event and forwarded this, like, fundraiser myself. Um, so doing it on my own was huge and felt so empowering. Where's Thorn based out of? L.A. Out of it. Oh, so great. So, yeah, okay. Ashton Kutcher is involved in some way, I guess. But Sold. Okay, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> no, it's interesting because human trafficking really speaks to me, too, because I remember, yeah, just... Uh, yeah, it just resonates with me. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I just feel like as a, as a woman, I was taught that I was prey, that I that there were predators yeah. who were trying to, like, capture me or whatever. And It to, wasn't me, though. Not me. Not you. Not me. I was just picking up, like, a big sis from school, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. And so it's empowering to fight against that. To fight against that. And also, I've been kind of, like tuning into the fact that, uh, you know, even when, 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 you know, you walk down the street in Los Angeles and somebody uh, whistles or goes like, or is like, smile or yeah. anything. And just 
the realization that, oh, a lot of men think that women uh, are, we only exist to be fucked. Yeah. You know, like that is our, we walk down the street and like we are for men to, to, to fuck and yeah. to, you know. Well, we're viewed like, through the male gaze. Yeah. And that's something I only recently kind of became aware of. I think I was yeah. just like, I was operating from this level of like, uh, well, I already have a very like, a misogynist father, so I was already like kind of seeing myself through his gaze. Yeah. But I thought, oh, that's exclusive to me. You know, like I, I think of myself a certain way and uh, and think that men look at me in a certain way because I've learned this from my father. And then I kind of cracked, I got cracked wide open realizing, you know, because this conversation has only started recently. Thank God. I don't know why it took so long, but it's like happening yeah. now, as you know, like without people are talking about uh, what, what's the girl gaze, you know, and the, yeah. the male gaze and. I did not. I can't believe it took me so long to realize that, like, we see women in pop culture, in movies, in film, in television, in, uh, in music, through the eyes of men. Yeah, you know, exploiting them or sexualizing them or whatever. And it's just like, oh, okay. And then I see myself through that. Yeah. Well, for so long, women were silenced in media, and you know, you it's still happening. All, like all the biggest photographers were men, all the biggest editors at magazines, all the, like they were controlling what we would see in pop culture. So you're conditioned to see yourself through their eyes and not your own because media is so important in our culture. And it's, it's really hard to figure out. It's really hard to grapple with because you have a certain power in your sexuality also. Yeah. And it's not just about sexual objectification. It's also about how, how we see ourselves and how we picture ourselves. And, you know, you're affected by sexual objectification in ways you could never even know. It's what do you mean? So hard to, to see even like, Sexual objectification affects your motor skills. It actually slows down your thinking process because women, on average, um, have to, like, modify themselves. Um, like, every seven seconds, you're, like, checking to see how you're sitting, really? how you're posed. Do you do that? Like, I mean, you can't even notice Are it. you fighting against it internally? Is it just so subconscious? I'm, I'm like... I mean, I do have a mirror on the table, breast spray. <laughs> I'm wearing lots of makeup and eyeliner for, for you or for me or for Aristotle. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Do you do this? Um, I, th- I think I can't really fight it. I think it's, it's, it's so, ing- you know, really ingrained in all of us, which is upsetting because... I have a lot to do. I don't have enough time to fucking worry about all that bullshit. To think about that stuff. But, th- but I do catch myself, like, sometimes, like, you know, also the eating disorder thing is Did you really have an eating crazy. disorder? Did you? Well, I just... I think I did, too, for sure. For I think sure. that kind of a lot of people in L.A. do. I think I think it's really ju- hard not to. It's pervasive. Well, I think it's, like, even with the... And not to be like, you're the internet, the power of the internet. It's, like, it's not even an L.A. thing or L.A., New York, yeah. Paris, London thing It's or a major city thing. It's a, you know, it's, like, girls anywhere with an Instagram account comparing themselves and wanting to look a certain way and watching, like, fucking the Kardashians or whatever it is or whatever. But not even bullshit. the Kardashians. It's, like, high fashion controls high, so much of how we see ourselves. I was going to ask you, do you think with a male... Do you think the male gaze differs between, like, maybe this is politically incorrect, but whatever. I, I'm not perfect. I'm figuring this all out. Between, like, gay men in fashion and then heterosexual men. It's like it's like two different types of objectification of women or a gaze where it's like I one think, might hate women or just be like, you know, uh, 
where they say in fashion, like, you know, models look like little boys or like hangers or just very need to be very skinny. I don't think and then, it's... Is there a difference in who's looking at the... What kind of guy is looking no, at the girl? No, because I think that a lot... It's just like the control of somebody who doesn't understand your experience from their own experience. Like, any any man, gay or straight, can't really totally be in the female experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, there's also the transgender conversation that's, like, super interesting. Um, I think it's just really hard to put yourself in anyone else's shoes. And for... I don't think it has to do with okay. man sexuality because I think that, that that's like a, it's a picture of how women should be treated based on a patriarchal society, not one man's perspective. And we're no way getting closer to a matriarchy, are we? Because I thought we were for a second. Then I said that to someone, and they're like, "We are not. We're not getting close at all." And that's crazy for you to think that. Or I you know, don't think we're. Baby I don't steps. think we're getting closer to a matriarchy. You don't. I thought there was a shift happening, but I guess this, this, this is because uh, the the girl gay's Instagram account was started, and I thought, well, I guess we're one step closer to a, a matriarchy. <laughs> Just kidding. It's, uh, I mean, I think I don't think it's. I think it's really hard to totally um, destroy this patriarchal structure. I think it's it would it feels really impossible, but I think to figure out how to exist. Within a structure that doesn't support you is, is really our only option now. And that's the biggest way that I feel like I can fight against these structures that don't support me is by learning how to exist within them. And, and then you're a role model. And then you give yeah. somebody else who looks up to you like, oh, oh there's a different option. I can be yeah. like that. That makes me feel less alone. And like there's. Yeah, I know. definitely want to be a living example. Yeah. And it's hard. I, I just feel like I know so many people who are like, yeah, I know I could do better, but here's why I'm not. What are they not doing better at? Like, you know, dealing with, with oppression. But what? Radical. Radical thinking, radical living, radical choices. Like, my mom's like, I, I hate my job, but I'm not going to stop doing it because I'm scared of living any other way. Yeah. But I think it's horrible to be paralyzed in what you're doing if it's not supportive to you. And I'm a huge proponent of radical living and choices. Yeah. I'm struggling with, uh, I don't know if I'm struggling with, yesterday I had a moment where I thought, uh, because I think about all the things I do to be attractive or or to like be uh, desired by by a man, Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, we do so many things or I do, it's like waxing, nails, getting my hair cut and colored, fucking, you know, matching lingerie, makeup, all this stuff. And then I get confused and I go... Well, I kind of, I like makeup. I like that I, in this, uh, I like that I can put eyeliner on or, I mean, anybody can, but I like, I like being a woman. I like all this fucking stuff that's attached to it. It can be exhausting and annoying sometimes, but other times it's like, well, I like that I can wear like a red bra and this dress and feel feminine. And I get my, like, I embrace that. And I think it's, and I just get confused if it's, uh, if I'm like deluded or if it's like. I think that in the patriarchal society that we live in, it's empowering to make like make to, yourself up and to embrace it, it is to embrace it yeah i think that i think that it's incredibly empowering because look at how much we can do with our sexuality i think it can be very manipulative yeah but also if we 
don't have a structure that supports us, why wouldn't we take the parts of the structure that do support us and use that to our advantage? Do so you think so? You think sexuality, makeup, uh, all this kind of stuff that supports us? I mean, I don't really participate. It. You don't. You're not wearing any makeup because makeup and shaving and waxing and whatever fancy lingerie doesn't make me feel sexy. Yeah. I feel sexy. Because of other things. Stop telling me you're better than me. Okay, but, can't handle this right but now, it's not, But okay? sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes I want to dress up, and I and I go out and I feel awesome, and I'm wearing like, you know, a hot mini dress. Yeah. And I go out and I, I I'm like the queen of the world, and, um, and that is available to me if I want if it. If you want it. But I don't always want that. Do you, I feel like sometimes I, this is something I can never explain to a man. They don't pick up on it, or maybe they do, or they don't care. Whatever the fuck, it doesn't matter. This is what I notice. If I go into a situation with a certain type of man or a group of men and they're all together and I walk into the situation and I'm not being vigilant and I'm just being myself but I'm feeling confident and I know who I am and I've got my life and I walk into it and I match their level of uh, security and uh, confidence, I can feel, because I feel like I'm very uh, intuitive, I can feel that they're pissed and they're like put off by the fact that, uh, that I'm confident and secure and trying to be on their level trying to be on their level yeah. discussing do you ever sense that like i i don't think it's conscious it's, I, I like to believe in the good of people but i think that subconsciously um men are uh, people in general are men are people <laughs> no <laughs> people no. are more used to women being, like, being oh, inferior hey. Ugh. yeah because we're taught to be quiet and i think the biggest form of rebellion is to be loud yeah, I think so. That's my direction. Yeah, that's maybe they're pissed, but you can scream at them about it. I can scream, or I can just hang out with a different vibe of people, or yeah. just uh, forgive them quietly and just continue being how I am. Um, what is feminism to you? So explain feminism as if I'm uh, as I'm an alien. I just came to planet Earth. Uh, it's 2016. Uh, I just got off the the mothership, and oh, look, you're here. What are you doing here? This is crazy, Matia. What is feminism to you? Now, tell all the girls listening. I think in our society, women are not treated equally. And actually, any minority isn't treated equally. There's a a structural problem in our society that makes it almost impossible to be on an equal plane if you are a part of any minority group. And feminism is the fight to find liberation amongst these structures that can be so trapping um not only for women but also for any person who can identify with being oppressed by patriarchy which is pushing us down how do we not hate men during all this I don't think it's a problem. I think that women are also part of the problem. How are women part of the problem? Because I agree, but you tell me why. We are also conditioned, just as a man is, to stay within these very trapping boundaries in patriarchy, in the structure, in the society. And as we continue to live in those structures, um, we perpetuate these standards that are unrealistic and 
you know, the more radical action you can take against it, um, I think the more you're fighting for your own rights. But it's really difficult when it feels like everything around you is fighting against you and who you are and who you want to be. Get specific though. So what are these structures and what are the, uh, what could be the radical behavior? Like if it were me, what could I do to be more, uh, you know, radical and, and, and fight for the cause of women? I think it's really just about being yourself. Just about being yourself and not being afraid to not be yourself because yeah. you might get judged by like the patriarchy. Yeah. It's getting real serious over here. At, uh, yeah. I mean, this is just, that's true. The thing I care about the most. I love that. No, that's why I'm talking to you. This is like this conversation is like a contribution towards that. So like other girls can go, oh, oh, I didn't even realize. Or and men also, you know. Yeah, and I think there's there's like a lot of different. You know, I had I had mental health problems in high school. You did. A crazy person, and I needed help, and so I I had to take radical action to like find that help for myself, and I think it's totally different for everyone. But um, I think in doing that and getting better, I got inspired enough to take radical action in other parts of my life that totally improved my living and made it so that I ended up with these immense and beautiful opportunities to kind of do whatever I want. What happened when you're in high, in uh, junior high? What was the mental stuff? You don't have to talk well, about it, but I had like me. a crazy life trauma what happened with my family i don't know about this you don't have to talk about it but i'm gonna ask i really don't even know well uh even if you told me i don't remember right now my ex-stepdad was a con man oh yes and okay. then my mom was in a car accident and then oh. our house caught on fire and then my dad got married and had to move and then i started high school that all happened right before high school yeah in all- eighth grade oh my god all right Okay, yeah. now it's all coming back to me. It's so many years ago, and you just seem so, you're like a, a different person. You're like this yeah. radical, young, inspiring woman I forgot about. Thanks. All of that stuff. Oh, my God. So did you go on antidepressants? No. No. Um, what did you do to overcome all this? So do you feel like you have PTSD? Yeah. You do? I have PTSD. I don't remember anything before. And it's not a competition, stuff. but I feel like I have PTSD from my fucked up childhood, so... Just wanted to trauma bond with you real quick, yeah. but uh, so hey. uh, yeah, allies. <laughs> um, so you have PTSD from all the yeah. stuff that happened, and so I kind of did whatever I could to figure out how to make myself better. Um, you know, I think figuring out how to deal with your feelings is a constant battle, and oh my god, yes, you know, I think <laughs> anyone would say that, like. Even my mom's still trying to figure it out, and my grandma's still trying to figure it out because your feelings are always changing as the world around you does, and my circumstances changes changed, and my feelings changed, and you know now I'm doing other things to make myself feel better. But what um, do you do on a daily basis? I I actually I knew meditate. this for me. You do meditate, like yeah. please give me the tools because I completely I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, it's the mind is such a powerful thing and, yeah. and controls our, and you know, affects our mood. And I can just be I'm making a hand signal and doing a, like a, <laughs> a deep, a deep dive <laughs> drop. The towards roller coaster. The, a roller, it's like this week alone, not to interrupt you, I'll throw it right back to you. But like, I was so depressed this week, so confused. I think I, I have a, uh, I think I have really good intuition. Do you feel like you have really good intuition? Yeah. But here's what fucks me up. 
I also, when I get insecure and I tap into my insecurity, vulnerability, or if I feel abandoned or if I feel like I'm not connecting to the person I'm dating or something with my father comes up or whatever, I tell myself stories that, that might be untrue that are actually false stories and they're really mean and they're really harsh and I believe them and I go, well, I'm really intuitive. So these aren't false stories I'm telling myself about how people feel about me and what's really going on. This is my intuition. So I get, I don't know. I just, I'm, 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 uh, I'm rambling, but it's like what I struggle with is, yeah, false, mean, horrible, dark stories I tell myself and confusing that with my usual, uh, very good intuition. Your psychic intuition. Yeah. So, and then, uh, and then I just have to, I spiral and I'm not an antidepressants yeah. and I find, and then I'm like, okay, I got to exercise. These are my tools. And I want to ask you, go back yeah. to asking about your tools. I listen to self-help tapes. I'm listening to one called like, you're a badass, which I'm like kind of totally <laughs> embarrassed about, but I'm like, fuck it. This is helping me pull, pull me out of this like depressed hole. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just like a constant battle to fucking pick yourself up and keep going and not like, yeah. yeah. Where so, do you find the self-help tapes? I mean, I talk, I, I, you know, I overshare with everybody. I'll be talking to like the barista at Starbucks or like I'll have like a business <laughs> meeting or some kind of meeting with somebody. Business meeting. What is this? 1982. But I'll have like a, <laughs> I'll have a meeting with someone and this lady will be like talking to me about whatever project we're supposed to be working on. And I'm like, you know what? This is actually how I'm feeling right now. I'm going through this thing right now. I'm dating someone or I'm feeling kind of low and like, because I can't not talk about what I'm really feeling yeah. in the moment. I'm, I'm the like, same way. Yeah, I'm like, because I'm reaching out. I'm like, I, I want to connect. Please, can I, I just feel so alone. Like, I need to connect. I need help. Like, and then other people will recommend self-help tapes. So this one lady was like, I just listened to it. I'm a badass. And and I was like, fuck it. I'm downloading it right now. And I'm like <laughs> listening to it. And I'm trying to meditate. And I'm like, I'm not religious, but I'll be like, I'll like, I'll like talk to something. I'll be like, you know, just yeah. because... I get in my own way and I overthink and all this stuff. So you experience PTSD, you're, you're not in antidepressants. And what are the tools you use to kind of like pull yourself out of this mood? Yeah. I had to find routines that, cause I know that I have like, I go in waves so I can feel it coming. I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I'm getting into that like deep, dark place. How do you know it's coming? What do you feel? Cause I, I'll feel, um, anxious but also just like tired and fatigued and i'll have these crazy thoughts or like night terrors that's really the sign what are night terrors exactly (sighs) night terrors are when you have a nightmare and you like know that you're having a nightmare and you want to wake yourself up but you can't move it's the worst thing ever oh my god so i'll like to deal with that get back into my routines like exercising is really <sighs> I need to do life that. changing yeah, exercising but also I think that diet has a lot to do with it to be honest I think taking probiotics has actually radically changed my mood I'm writing this down um I I read a lot yeah. I like reading memoirs by women who have gone through like crazy have had crazy beautiful amazing lives I recommend think. some well to listeners. there's like kim gordon's book is really good oh. carrie brownstein's new book it's um hunger makes me a modern girl so good uh those are the two that i like the most right now um i think you know sometimes i just i feel like i have to I feel like I'm going to scream. Like, I'm so anxious that I feel like I'm going to scream. So I'll just, like, go for a run. I think it really has to do a lot with being able to follow my heart. And part of that is not having to be in 
any structure. I'm lucky enough that I'm an artist and I can do anything that I want with my day. Yeah. So, um, I really like yoga, to be honest. Swimming. Um, I, I have to, like, sometimes force myself to get out of bed. But, you know, once you do, once you make it outside, if you can, then it, the world becomes a different color. Because I'll spiral if I'm, if I stay in. Yeah, it's like I've been talking about this about how it's like a blessing and a curse because I, uh, to feel so many feelings and to be so anxiety ridden because it's, uh, I feel like people I really love and respect, uh, myself included, uh, good things come out of trying to work through these moods. Yeah. And spirals and, and, uh, feeling anxiety ridden and crazy, uh, you know, for lack of a better word. So, but, but living with the feelings is like exhausting. Yeah. And, uh, just so intense and can be just overwhelming but then good shit can come from it so it's like yeah i did i did this like meditation workshop um with this teacher richard freeman in vienna and it was like yoga and meditation and it was really wild like learning it's really hard to learn how to meditate but you can meditate what i realized is you can meditate any any way you didn't have to go to vienna okay i took this (laughs) took this meditation workshop and i was like what am I you doing know, here? <laughs> it's, it's really hard to learn, like, one person's technique because every person's technique is so different. And you can meditate in any kind of situation. It's just a matter of, like, figuring out what your patterns are. Um, there's so many resources out there. Like, I'm looking at my notes here. I want to ask you, who are your friends? <laughs> like, who are your closest friends? I want to know who you're dating, who your closest friends are, and where are, where's your mom in all of this? Because I feel like you're very, you're like me, you're very close to your mom, right? Isn't she like a best friend kind of vibe? Yeah. Or no? Yeah. We're really close, uh, but not like parents, you know? Yeah. Like, she's, you guys are friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that good or bad? Or what is that? Because um, that's how I am with my mom. Sometimes I feel like I'm like the mom in the situation with my yeah, mom. Yeah. My mom knows this, but I, I think sometimes it's really hard to, uh, figure out how to support yourself when you feel like you have no one to help you. And I really got thrown into the swimming pool of independence and I'm doing it all on my own. What does that mean? And I have like, you know, when, if your parents are super attentive, then it's a way of showing support. My parents were very loving and caring. Um, but I was, afforded a lot more independence than I think other people were and at times it made me feel neglected unsafe yeah because you're like where are my parents they're off living their lives I'm like my friends are getting calls like where are you do you want to have dinner like what's up how's it going in your life and and my parents are like have fun go do your thing after how long has that been going on for since you've been 18 or just since you're like out of the womb or you know somewhere probably like since i was like 14 14 years since i could like take like take public transportation and leave my house like that's really they they were like you're on your that's completely how my upbringing was um i and i do but i do remember because i wasn't sure what it was like uh, in your family yeah Uh, because when I did pick you up from high school, I remember like making sure to call your mom and leave a message because I didn't want her to think that you were dead in a ditch <laughs> or that you know that you were kidnapped or something. But uh, but she did appreciate it though. Yeah. So I felt like there was some kind of structure thing happening there. Uh, by the way, I'm friends with Lucia's mom. I love her. <laughs> her name is Mariah. She's fantastic. She's very stylish and chic. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> very talented at what she does. Interior yeah. interior design. Mm-hmm. Um. But yes, where are we going? So who are your close friends? And like, are you dating anybody? And how does that work? Like, yeah, well, I mean, 
I kind of want to go back to what we were talking about before because oh, I yeah, just please. made this series Tell that me. was kind of working through my own psychosis. Oh, God. Like, oh, yeah. Um, so I had an opening at the Lodge a week and a half ago um, where I wanted to do a series based on codependency and physical addiction. Like, you know when you miss someone so much and you can't stop thinking about, like, the way that they smell? I, I, I used to. I want that. That's the kind of love I want. Is that wrong? I mean... It's too sick and twisted, right? I was really, really in love with somebody who could not give me anything at all. No love, like, no care, no nothing. But I couldn't stop thinking about, like, the way their skin felt, you know? And I, um, it wasn't even a sexual thing. It was more of just, like, wanting to be around this person all the time and, um, and then, like, blowing me off and not wanting to hang out or going out of town and, um, I would just be home, like, how do I, how do I cure this feeling that makes me want to, like, debilitating, attack the world around me, like, so I found a material that, for me, um, was a synthetic cure for this, uh, and so I started using plaster to make paintings, and the plaster is really crazy, you massage it from, like, being a creamy liquid like powder mixture um into like a form that's actually really hot and hard um and this is just like you know plaster they they make walls out of it yeah um so i just went to home depot and started playing around with this and then i made a whole series that was on panel of um just kind of my experimentation with this material and what I could get out of it and it's so fun to touch that I didn't really need to like be around this person who I was missing so much at the time um because I found this synthetic cure uh isn't that just because you harnessed your energy and attention and put on something that served you more right in front of yeah. you maybe you're more present because you were like I'm in the act of being creative and making something and like serving you more than totally. missing some guy who's just blowing you off and not appreciating you as much as maybe you want him to or that you know yeah i wanted to pour my energy into my work yeah and so then i also made the work reflect how i was feeling and the way the method in which i got out of that and it's really crazy like as i finished the series i got a new boyfriend you did it was like you know i spent that i spent those like months making this show on my own just like thinking about you know getting better and how i could be alone and and going into this new relationship i felt like so excited about the world and well so what is the difference between what's the difference between the quality of this new relationship and then the old relationship that you're getting out of um that served that made you inspired you to like make all this work well the other person that i was with was like I don't know how to take care of myself. I don't know how to take care of anyone. Like, I don't want to be with you. And I was like, ah, we spend every night together. I have been taking care of you already for for months, and I've seen this be very successful. I've felt very in love with you for a long time, and I don't really know what to do if I can't be there for you. And then, you know, 
he would go with other girls and Ugh. nasty stuff. Wow, what nasty stuff? Just like being a nasty human. Okay. And and I would always call him out, but I was so in love. You would like, just take whatever he gave you. Oh, I was so I was just like oof no, because I, I was not treating myself very well. I I was sick and I didn't believe that I could get out of it. I didn't think that I could find something to cure my heartache. And then I just poured myself into my work and oh, um I love that. Yeah, and as I was finishing this series like I felt like I had really achieved something so beautiful and being able to just make the work on my own and I rented my own studio for the first time like I had my own space and all the time in the world uh, and I just did exactly what I wanted for myself every day and now I kind of feel like it's easier for me to see a balance between us um, in in this new relationship. So who is this new person? Or, like, why is this great? Like, what is, what's the ideal relationship to you? I think... Um, like, a good, happy, healthy, great, ideal thing for you. I think the ideal thing is just being able to communicate a lot and very honestly and openly and with a lot of love. And um, I think, you know, it doesn't really matter... I don't think anything else really matters. Yeah. I think... What about sex? Yeah, but sex can be really great if, if you're communicating. Yeah. I think it, it, like, cannot be good if you're not. And there's a lot of different ways to communicate. I'm not just saying, like, talking to each other. There's also just being able to understand how the other one's feeling by looking at them and, you know, speaking up when you feel uncomfortable or unsafe because you should always be able to feel totally safe with the person that you're with and it's difficult to figure that out when you haven't had that before like you were saying that your dad's a misogynist and mean and and horrible and I'm used to chaos as a kid that feels comfortable to me yeah chaos feels comfortable to me too so I wasn't used to having something that was so calm and loving and and sweet and being treated sweetly. Did that feel uncomfortable for you? Did you fight against it a bit? Or I think I had in past relationships. It was uncomfortable for someone to like me because I didn't know what it meant. What it, I didn't know how to be loved. And it's it's crazy to talk about this as an 18-year-old, I'm sure. No, that you're so like, who who is this girl? No, I love She's this. She's only 18. No, but- you're closer to, to God. <laughs> no, or whatever. I'm not really <laughs> You're more pure, and you're born uh, more recently. So what, whatever, eighteen, you're probably way more in tune than a lot of fucking deadened fifty-year-olds. Uh, you know what I mean? Or are dead inside. I feel like people get really beaten up by they, the world, yeah, and I feel do. really lucky to be young because, while I feel like the world could beat me up, I'm, I'm not gonna let it. Yeah, this is a good time capsule too. So I interviewed a thirteen-year-old boy, and uh, and he's just like listening to him. It was like one of the best interviews I've ever had, just because. His parents and he can he, he, he they can go back and listen to that interview and be like wow that's where I was at at thirteen you know <laughs> like it's really special so no so go on so so it was uncomfortable for you to be loved and did you lash out a bit because I'm trying to learn from you this is about me learning from you I really don't, I don't think is it I lash out, if anything I lashed out against myself and now I'm 
learning more and more how to exist alone so that I can be with someone else. That is great because I said earlier a few minutes ago with you like the codependent I made a joke was stemming in, from reality from uh, real life that I like I'm so used to codependence I'm so used to a feeling that love is uh, you know this youthful passionate I love you we gotta we're together like that's you know like uh, even though I've had a lot of long distance relationships or been in lots of relationships with guys in bands who are always gone you know like you met yeah. one of my ex-boyfriends like yeah. a few years ago um that feels like oh that's what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like an intense vibe like we're in a weird emotional cubby hole and yeah. it's like there's fighting and there's darkness and and I mean, it, but an intense love yeah it takes up a lot of it time takes so now and energy it does take up a lot of time and energy so now what i struggle with is like you know yeah trying to be a fully realized person and okay would not that would would not have that kind of relationship, but it yeah. feels foreign, uncomfortable. It feels like oh, it's colder. Yeah, you know, this feels cold. If like we're two fully realized people and we're like having boundaries and like not spending every night together, or um, I don't know. It's like oh, it's so healthy. This must be. This is not love. This is cold. I mean, I think there are also boundaries taught by society that can be very. Um, like, it's it's really hard to think about what it means to settle, you know, to settle down with someone, like, yeah. to get married or whatever it is. Like, do you want to get married? Those structures are also fucked up, hard to navigate because I I want to get married. You do? I do, too. Me, like, too. It sounds like fun to me. Yeah. I also know that that's like an idea that was created by someone else for maybe an agenda that d- doesn't really support me and the people that I love and want to be around. But now it's a choice that we have and now we get to choose and go, oh, well, I don't need you for your money or for your protection or to go kill a bear in the forest or something, but I want to, it's because I like you. It's almost more liberating and exciting because now you're making a choice. But also you have, like, if you can carry your own weight, it is a lot easier to carry someone else's weight too. And like this codependency thing, I think if if you're not carrying your own weight, if you're not dealing with your own issues, it can be fun to distract yourself with a relationship Ugh. that's very toxic and, you know, chaotic. Yeah. And I've definitely fallen into that, too. Like, just being so excited about the other person, you're, like, all of a sudden married in a week. Yeah. And really, it's just a distraction from yourself. The rest of your life, like, falls apart because you don't have to deal with it because you're dealing with this other person and the reality between you instead of the reality around you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's always a process figuring it out as you go. Cause you could have a totally safe and healthy and whatever relationship, but then things around you change. And, you know, I'm, I'm having a thing with my family right now, trying to figure it out and give us all the details. I <laughs> just realized that I also like maybe spent the last week, not talking to them because I was having so much fun with my boyfriend. Finally, I was like, okay, I have to, like, cool it, confront these people, and, like, bring love to the situation and and light. Um, But I was mostly focusing in my relationship, which, you know, made it fun. But um, you got to spread it around. You got to get back to yourself and make sure you're taking care of yourself and focusing on... friends. 
Yeah. Oh. Who are these friends of yours? Oh my god. <laughs> Do you have a ton of friends? I have a couple of great friends. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. Like, I used to be into whatever, having so many friends, but then I realized that a lot of my relationships weren't that, like, valuable. Yeah. It's exhausting, I, too. Yeah. I was spending my time, like, trying to make friends at parties, which is so stupid. Like, the friends that I have now, I can bring with me anywhere, which I like, because there's always something crazy to go to in Is LA. there? Okay. <laughs> but it's more fun to be with someone who you really trust and care about rather than just, like being with 10 people who you kind of know yeah um so i have this one friend caroline who's who's like so sweet she's going to wesleyan next year she's an artist we just did this mocha teen night piece together oh yeah i heard about this on the same night as your opening so wait there these there's the lodge where you had your yeah. show and that's the collective you were telling me about that you yeah. want to talk to me about okay girl trip girl trip and then she ha- okay so yeah. she's in the mocha teen and then show. we did mocha teen night and mocha teen night was this um Installation. I I stole a detour sign from outside my studio. Um, there were some roadblocks, whatever, and I was like, "This is kind of funny." Like my some of my friends are taggers. Like they like to do graffiti art, and graffiti art is all about just like destroying this structure and not falling into, you know, the normal way of things. It's totally an anarchist, rebellious art practice. I've heard of it, and. I'm- not a dork, okay? Well, I mean, how dare you talk to me like that? I just think <laughs> explaining like, graffiti to me. I'm, I, I'm not just talking to you. That's true. We're talking to the entire. We're ta- uh, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about an 11 year old boy who's going to listen to this and be yeah. so excited about being how much good of a punk point. he can be good by spray painting on the street. Point. Okay, good. Yes, continue. So we we stole this detour sign and then. I recreated it in plaster and wood, and it was, like, as big as me. And then um, with with my friend Caroline, um, my friend Ethan, and my friend Theo. And so Caroline and I kind of did the construction part of it and got all the materials from Home Depot. And, um, and then they painted it, and they also helped us construct it. But um, it, you know, it's amazing to have friends that I can work with mm-hmm. because I'm constantly working and having people around you who also do what you do is so invaluable. Is that important in a relationship too? Like do you need to be able to work with whoever you're dating? I like doing that. You like doing that, but is it like I don't think it's the end all. Is the person you're dating now an artist also? Yeah. Oh. And it's cool because I'm inspired to do projects with him that or, you know, it's it's really fun to have somebody who has your back in a project. Like, nobody's going to care about, about your project as much as you do. Yeah. Unless you have a collaborator who also, ha- like, is putting tons of their input and love and ideas into it, too. What about him it sets him apart and makes you go, I really like this person? Like, what are the qualities? He's um, just, like, so sweet and sensitive. And I feel like I've been with a lot of people who were really passionate and excited about the world or like excited about what they were doing but um not so sensitive to the world around them and I feel like he's really you know attentive yeah and um he wants to jump in to this like crazy existence with me it feels like 
What do you and boyfriends or wait, have you dated? I don't know if Molly talked about this. Have you dated girls? Yeah. And, uh, uh, like more. I dated women before I ever dated men. Oh, you did? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What, what do you notice is the difference or the quality of the relationship or what's more exhausting or fulfilling? Um, for you? I think, I mean, I want names. I want phone numbers. I want <laughs> photos. No, just tell me. Answer my goddamn question. Um, men and women are totally different for me because I feel like men sometimes drive me crazy because I also have like a tumultuous relationship with my father and um I think it has a lot to do with that psychologically like these these things are proven but (laughs) (laughs) you know I think um I like it's just totally different but I'm never like oh I like this person but they have this gender no, but I just mean like anything you've noticed where it's like, because I feel like if I, if I dated a woman, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I can't say. I just, I just want to know if you notice anything. There's no right or wrong answer. Just like what may have. Also, like, I think sexually men feel entitled sometimes. Oh, they do? Yeah. Like they always expect sex? Yeah. Or they like always expect to get off. You know, it's funny. I'm finding that like, uh. I don't know, I'm reading a lot of articles and talking to a lot of guy friends yeah. about how, like, that's just, like, another thing. I read, I watched this documentary called uh, The Mask, I think it's The Mask We Live In or The Mask We Always Wear. It's about, like, yeah. masculinity in our culture and stuff and how, like, you know, men are, uh, you know, expected. What are the stereotypes? What are they expected? Uh, what's expected from a man? Not to show emotion, yeah. to be strong, not to cry, to, you know, to make a lot of money, just all this stuff, you know. Um, and that... Uh, one of the things that people are talking about is that like men don't always want to have sex. They don't always have to get off or yeah. I don't know. Aristotle chime in. Okay. No, nothing. I'm sorry. I mean, I think that that's, I think that's totally true. Yeah. But I think also there's a certain kind of conditioning about like, I think that some men think that they deserve to get off and not get the girl off and not get the girl off oh wow you're dating the wrong men i well you're the wrong motherfucking men yeah i mean i'm i'm not anymore yeah but i've yeah yeah i've seen this and you know also it goes back to what you're taught about virginity and how it's like such a big deal for a girl to lose her virginity and that goes back to, like, the Bible, which is, you know, can be sometimes really oppressive. I've never read the Bible. Have you read the Bible? Yeah, in school I you had to read the Bible. In school you had to read? What school? Well, Oakwood? It was cool because we would compare the Bible to, like, literature. Yeah. Uh, no, at Oakwood? Yeah. Read? Okay. But it's not, like, a religious school at all. It was yeah. just part of our curriculum. Um, but, you know, and while men are taught that it, I think... Sometimes in t- taught that it's like a prize. A girl's to vagina gain. to get sex. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, please. Yes, of course. So, considering that, it's a certain sense of entitlement that goes along with that. And I, I don't think that all men feel that way. Yeah. And I just think that it's a part of the conditioning of the society. So, it's just a lot different to be w- with a woman. Not only, like, it's definitely person to person, because 
also not not every like woman that I've dated was always a woman and not every man that I've dated was always a man or like you know there are a lot of people who don't identify totally with these binary um standards Oh, yeah, I remember texting you because I've dated... So it's totally different. I remember texting you. I was, like, spiraling. I dated a guy, and he had had sex with guys, and I was like, does this need to matter to me? I'm freaking out. Like, what is this? Like, should I be... Wait, what was my text to you? Something about, like, would that bother you or something? And you were like... You started saying binary stuff, and I was like, okay, yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes, what? I am wrong, and I'm I'm old school and dumb. Like, but... uh, yeah, what's your advice to me again about like if I date a date a man who's given guys blowjobs or had sex with men, like it's just no big deal. It's just like get over it. Things are fluid or whatevs. Yeah, things are fluid or whatevs, but also like some sometimes sometimes people like try things out. What? No. <laughs> Go for it. And they're like, "Oh damn, like I I went for it and I'm not gay." Cool, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Huh. So, I think it's kind of exciting when people are open enough to do something as rebellious as, as to rebellious. have sex with somebody of the same so gender. So not rebellious. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally with you. I mean, I have with women, so how dare I judge a man for doing the exact also, same thing? Also, bisexual women are fetishized in the culture, so it's like oh, cool. for then, women, it's a double standard. Oh, then we're cool. We're cool. Yeah. We're like real sexy. Taking <laughs> our power back. Manipulating men now with our sexual prowess. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Well, so we know who your friends are. Yeah. We know that you're an artist. Yeah. We know some of your tools to get you out of your mood swings and moodiness. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to know about this art collective that you just started. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, I'm jumping all over the place, but like 10 years from now, where do you expect? I mean, you're 18 now, 28. You're still going to be very young. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? What are the goals? So uh, recently I looked back at my sixth grade yearbook and I... They asked me, where are you going to be in 10 years? This was in 2010. Yeah. Um, I thought that at 22, I would be living on a farm in the south of France with three children. Um, so I know that probably what I say at 18... You still have time. Is, you I mean, could I, end up there with three children. You're not even 22 yet. That's like... In four years, it's hard to have three kids, I think. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I just looked at Aristotle. Like I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted an answer. Like you know, I mean, he's like twenty-four. Yeah, I don't know. Almost Maybe twenty-three. Know. Um, um, I think in ten years, I, I kind of want to be able to access a a lot of people. Um, to spread awareness about these issues that are important to me. I'd hope that in 10 years we'd be figuring out how to fix our environmental issue a little bit faster because I'm uh, slightly concerned about the extinction. Um, Of people? Yeah. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. Wait, 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 wait. Extinction, singularity. What's going to happen? Is the singularity the the extinction? What's the singularity? Aristotle, get on the mic. Explain singularity. Not to cut your dick off. I don't. I apologize. <laughs> Actually, not that that would make you weaker. It could make you stronger. 
Because, yeah. From my understanding, I don't have the full facts, uh, but I believe the singularity is like the point when all our brains can kind of just be downloaded into like one machine, and then so you're just kind of constantly reliving your life. So there's no point of like oh. having kids anymore. It's just constantly doing the same thing. Okay. Isn't like we're all robots or something? Kind of like we all just like turn into a computer essentially, yeah, yeah. and we're just like one. I'm less worried about that than I am about the uh, our water getting poisoned in our air. Thank you, thank you, Aristotle. By the way, um, well, how, what's what? Nobody told me about the extinction. I've been thinking about the singularity. What's the extinction? What do you mean? I think that we have about 127 years left on the planet. Really? Who alerted you to, who alerted you to this? Where have I been? Well, with the collapse of our oceans, the ecosystem can't continue to hold itself up. And it's pretty terrifying, um, to say the least. How do I go from here to talking about my love life? I mean... How do I go from that to, like... I know. That's why That's why I'm an activist. Okay. So I feel safe in your activism towards helping that situation. So I feel okay enough <laughs> and confident enough to reroute our conversation and bring it back to me. Um, here are my <gasps> questions. Oh, wait. What do you... I mean, now who cares about this question, but what are you insecure about when you get insecure about stuff? Um, I'm insecure that I'm not communicating well enough. I, Do you want me to push your mic closer to your mouth? <laughs> Keep going. To be what honest, okay. um, I have acne and it bothers me, but, you know, then I start thinking about the extinction and I'm like, fracking, acne. Oh, God. What do I have to worry about more? <laughs> I had horrible, severe acne. I went on Accutane twice. Yeah, you know, I mean, I am really worried about the the, like, how these even the packaging of these medications that I'm putting on my skin are like affecting the planet and so I get in this spiral of like how how do I get around this when I'm in a world that's constantly feeding me plastic yeah but uh so sometimes I think about my acne but I think it's kind of a an automatic thing my my best friend caroline also has acne sometimes i refer to it as our acne you know we we start getting into it we're talking about acne and it's you know then then my whole day has been spent thinking about acne which i don't really care about yeah that's not important it's just a distraction yeah so i also feel insecure about thinking about things that don't matter well it's okay for you to think about yourself and yeah you're right but uh, there are bigger things than than acne and it'll go away and who cares and you're beautiful regardless and uh, just makes you stronger and have more character yeah um, and it makes me, I felt like when I, uh, oh my God, I had the worst acne. It just made me more loving to other people, you know, maybe go, oh my God, I know what they're going through. It's like, it's a thing you have to overcome. You leave your house and yeah. you're like, you know, it's just, hard to leave your house. It's like on your face. It's on your face. <laughs> it is like on, okay, you guys, <laughs> acne is like on your face. Actually, it can be anywhere. Actually, you can have it on your back, but, uh, yeah. um, yeah, I remember I used to wear so much makeup. I would uh, I would give people hugs, and then I'd see my makeup rub off on their clothes, and I'd be so embarrassed I wouldn't want to say anything. But I was all like, oh, fuck. Like, I just felt... Anyway, but yeah. So uh, it's a character builder, and you're beautiful. Thanks. But uh, thank you for answering that question. Um, are you religious at all? No. Not religious at all. What do you think happens when you die? I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to ring you out. Ring you dry. I want to know everything. I want to get in here. I want to, like, you know... I... Anything? Like... I don't know what happens when you die. What do you think? Reincarnation? Anything? I 
hope that we would be able to find some sort of enlightenment or go to an easier place to live. That is, I've been, I talked about this with other people, other guests on the show. And uh, one girl said, uh, my friend Chantal said that when you die, well, she's heard, this is what she believes that, uh, is it DMT or some kind of like DMT is released uh, when you die. So I think that's why people think that there's an afterlife or you, or you have this like amazing uh, kind of psychedelic experience where you, as you're dying, the DMT is released. I'm probably saying this all wrong and butchering it, but uh, I've heard about that. Yeah, so that's kind of exciting. And other enter people enter the void. Is that is that was that what Enter the Void is about? That movie, the movie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see that movie. I saw Love. Oh my god! I have to you see, have enter, to the see void. enter the Void. Is, isn't that like a 20 minute abortion scene or something? Mm, You've never had an abortion, have you? None no. of my business. I've I, never had an abortion. I haven't either. It worries me that I've never been pregnant. I know a lot of people who have. Of though. course, yeah. That's you why know, I feel out of the loop. Have you ever thought you were pregnant and then talked to someone about it and then you know? They're, they were like, I had, I had two abortions. Like, yeah, all, always. So now I always, feel like, now always. I feel like I can't get pregnant because I've never had an abortion. <laughs> but I have taken the morning after pill like mm, six times. Hmm. But I've been having sex since I was fifteen. That's a long time. From now till back then. I mean, wake up! I've never taken the morning after pill. I was I was really scared of it, but I didn't need That's, to. So. Uh, speaking of poisons and putting weird shit in your body, it fucks you about, up, right? I mean, I never felt fucked up. That's the scary thing. Like, because everybody would be like, oh, you're going to feel, uh, you're going to be nauseous or whatever, and you're going to yeah. need like a day to recover. Never. Just pop it and go. I actually That's got. dope. I mean, I thought it was dope. Yeah. I don't even say dope. <laughs> oh my God. First time I've ever said dope on the podcast. I'm so ashamed. It's so out of my norm. It's just not who I am. But I appreciate other people saying dope. Um, I remember getting into my friend, my friend's car and just like, it was just a mess and just like picking up like, numerous morning after pills like in her car because she just pops and goes but uh yeah pops and goes just pops and motherfucking goes um <laughs> so what's this art collective that we need to go to that you wanted to talk to me about that we never ended up meeting up and talking about and now you're here yeah where do i go do you own this place do you start it with your friends because so what my the fuck friend is Faye okay she cool. started this kickstarter okay that was um to open a community art space for marginalized people in hollywood and the day she posted it, I was like, I have to get in on this. I have the resources. I have the drive. I have the capability to make something like this happen. So um, in a month, we raised $17,000. Oh, wow. Of a $15,000 goal. Oh, my God. And How so did you do we that? we got the lease on the space. Basically, I emailed every single person I knew, and I said, hey, um, I'm, I want to help people, and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And here's what I've achieved so far, and I know that I can do this, and it would be really cool if you became a part of it because I'm cool and you deserve to be a part of something that I do. Yeah. That's cool. Love it. Okay. So I reached out to basically everyone in my, in my contacts and then, um, some of my family donated, but then also like Sia backed the project and gave us a thousand dollars. Oh, that's and great. I love her so yeah, much. Yeah. She's, she's another one of those like important sister people. Did you go to Coachella life. and see her? Yeah. She, yeah. she got me tickets. It was so nice. She did. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I traded a painting for some tickets. Oh, um, it was so cool. But, uh, yeah. So we're just basically trying to teach workshops for, um, Anybody who's a part of a marginalized group that includes people of color and women and um, people of all different gender identities also and sexualities. But um, these workshops are focused on 
empowerment through knowledge and uh we're taking basically anyone in the community who wants to be a part of it and saying yes here we have this space do what you want oh wow and uh we're opening june 1st you open June 1st. How, where do people go to find out all about this? Like, if I wanted to put on a show, if I wanted to, like, uh, it's scream. It's called Junior High. Oh, wait, what's The Lodge? The Lodge is the art gallery where my show but that's, is. But you're the one who started Junior High. That's what yeah. I was wondering. I started. On, okay. Yeah, I, I helped start Junior High. Um, but Girl Trip was the organization that organized the other art show that I was a part of. At The Lodge. At The Lodge. And Girl Trip is also... An organization that's empowering women in the arts, but um, mostly through having gallery shows and stuff like that. Um, they don't have their own space. Uh, we're we're junior high. We have our own space. It's five six five six Hollywood Boulevard. Um, you can go to Welcome to Junior High. That's in that's our Instagram. Um, and. Yeah, I I'm like so excited about I'm it. I'm so excited. Wait, so wait, it's the Girl Trip and the Lodge, they don't have their own space or the Lodge is the their lodge own space. The Lodge is a space that Girl Trip is in for this month. For this month. Okay, so yeah. that aside, but yeah. your space that you started is Junior High. Junior High and the Instagram is at welcome to junior high. This is incredible. Okay, cuz I feel like I've kind of found this on my I, I was like I didn't realize that's what you were talking about. Yeah. I'm so so. Will there be movie screenings and art show? It yeah. can be anything creative. So we're or- starting off with um, an art show, and there's going to be an opening night party with a musician. And um, what day is this? Actually, June first. June first at junior high. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Five six five six Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. Good. Um, we're. Yeah. I'm, oh my god! I'm so excited to open, but um, it's also cool because I get to have my studio there. So oh I'm moving into that space this week and um i'm gonna be having studio visits and stuff like that there's also a, gonna be a store and i know that's a uh, cool merchandise that i've been seeing on the instagram yeah they they also like for, we had a fundraising event and there was this cool person like who did a a talk about britney spears and just like who she was and whatever like this happened at junior high yeah like a workshop but it was like a mini workshop on britney spears at the fundraiser for the and then this um blink 182 cover band play called pink 182 what yeah it was i wasn't there because i was at coachella but it was really fun (laughs) oh my god have you done mushrooms no no my boyfriend wants to but would you think he'll do them with them i don't know do you, have you done any drugs? Yeah. None of my business, but I'm asking. I can't. I don't. You don't have to say. I feel like my dad's going to. Is he going to listen to this? I don't know. You guys still talk? No. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I'm not talking to my dad. I just assume nobody, anybody who comes yeah, to my show doesn't talk really to their dad. I'm not really talking to my dad, to but be honest. He probably but... will listen. If, yeah. you, if you guys aren't talking, he'll want to be like, what's my daughter up yeah. to? Um, so I probably shouldn't say. I mean, you've already said you've dated women. You uh, have acne. You are talking about... Uh, you know, feminism, life, mood swings. Yeah. Taking care of yourself, doing kind of, kind of cognitive behavioral therapy on yourself without taking antidepressants and all this yeah. stuff. You talked about it all. God forbid you should talk about doing mushrooms. I think that's like the least of all of our worries. I think it, it only, you're fantastic. You can do no Thanks. wrong, but you, you make your own choice um, about what you talk, what you share. Um, yeah, because I'm just wondering if I should do mushrooms. I know oh. it's a personal decision, but I feel like I, everybody- Okay, to be honest, I read this article maybe three days ago about people microdosing mushrooms for depression oh really i heard that was with take, acid 
Is it mushrooms I or acid? I think it's... They did. I read about them doing it with acid too, but I think it's better with mushrooms. Okay. Um, you take like so little that you're not even supposed to feel any, like, psychoactive, you know, psychedelic effects. Um, but it does change your mood, and it works for depression if you're willing to do it. Okay. You, you have to take a little tiny bit every day, which is, sounds sounds insane. crazy. It sounds to me. crazy because how are you ever supposed to know? And then people are taking yeah. like uh, mushroom chocolates. People are like, I don't have mushrooms. I've got some mushroom chocolates that are great. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Should I do acid? I'm thinking. I did acid when I was like a teenager. And it, how was it? I, you know, I don't know. I, I did it once, and it was it wasn't real, but it was fake. But I pretended to be on acid because I went to some art show and. Uh, Everybody, it was fake acid? Everybody else had real acid. I got it from somebody who, like, sold me fake acid, and I took it, and then I, I like, I think How I was... How did you know? Because nothing was happening, but everybody else was like, whoa, and I was like, yeah, man, psychedelic, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> it was just like... And then I, I think, yeah, but then I did it for real, and the come down was so intense because there was so much speed in it that it, like, felt like there were, like, metal rods in my back, and I remember, like... <gasps> but I did remember feeling, like, psychic... Like, I, I had a boyfriend at the time, my first love, who I lost my virginity to, and I was like laying on top of him and my 15 how old was i probably 15 or 16 yeah because we went out for about a year yeah um and i remember being in like my my best friend's pool house and yeah. it was me my boyfriend and my best friend alana and i was laying on top of my boyfriend at the time and i just felt so in tune with him that we could finish each other's sentences and we were laughing so hard and even now like he remembers that and we'll talk about it and it's and it was so You're great still friends no, not really. I just said that because I was like, you know what? Spare spare the audience the details. I mean, but I'm sure if I ran into him and went, hey, how about that acid moment? He'd be like, that was pretty fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we have talked about it at a dinner a few years ago. <laughs> God, you're really fucking turning the tables on me. Who, who's the interviewer here? <laughs> well, I mean. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, like, and then, but I do remember leaving the room, leaving him alone with my friend at the time. Yeah. And knowing that they were making out, but maybe that's like to be expected because we're all young. Like, of course, they were probably going to make out if I left them in a bedroom on acid together. But then I walked in and, and like it oh felt no. super weird. And I went, did you guys just make out? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, we did. And I, was like, I was like, do I need to do I need to do acid again? I feel like I did it. But uh, I don't know. My brain is so fucked up and chaotic sometimes, but I also like it a lot that I'm yeah. afraid if I like put drugs into my system, I could fuck something up instead of helping something yeah i i feel like i'm at a point right now where my mood is so good that i don't really want to risk it give me some of that by doing any drugs yeah but you know everyone i know smokes so much weed oh do you not smoke weed not really i don't like pot i mean i don't like it i like alcohol better also i'm really interested in this first love story because yeah because my boyfriend now is super young and oh, he's you're a virgin. Be. Oh, can we include he's this? He's still a virgin. Yeah. Okay. So we'll... Okay. Um, oh, so you're going to take his virginity, and he's never going to forget you. And this is so cool for everyone, including <laughs> but, me. Get the scoop. Okay. But I remember when, when I was really young and I was talking to you about this kind of stuff. When you were really young. When you're I... You're 18 now. But okay. Yeah. Go on. When I was a, a baby. An and, embryo. And you were like, oh, I wish that I had waited. You, I said that I wish that I had yeah, waited. Yes. I was lying. Oh, I was probably trying to get oh you not to have sex. You said that you wished that you had waited. No way. You said way. that you regretted it. No way. You were like, I w- yeah, I was too young. You know what? I was probably channeling your mom. I was probably like, <laughs> I was like, I want to help this. You know what? There you, you go. You don't wish you had waited? Fuck no. I had a great time. 
Oh no! Did I keep you from having lots of sex? <laughs> Wait, how old are you? You were 14 and you were like, I want to have sex with... What? I mean, I don't think... I actually don't think that you... That, that stopped me. Oh. Then? Well, that's rude. Okay, well, how old are you when you lost your virginity? But it's kind of stopping me now... Taking his virginity? Having sex with him. Oh, man. Okay, so... I don't know. This is getting real topsy-turvy, but... Uh, <laughs> I, if you were 14 at the time and you're yeah. talking about losing your virginity, I'm sh- uh, I think I was 15. 15. Well, I lost my, my virginity at 15 and yeah. I was madly in love with the guy I lost my virginity to. He was my best friend. Yeah. We laughed a ton. Uh, he was so cute and handsome. And he looked like he was like an oasis or something. He was like a skater and musician dude. So I actually feel grateful that I lost my virginity to somebody who kind of taught me. So you lied to me? I probably was just like terrified, you know, like I'm not as like wild and crazy as like I want to, I don't seem wild and crazy at all, but like I probably just wanted to be like, I don't know what we were talking about. I don't think I lied to you. Oh man. Well, this is the podcast where everyone learns I'm a liar and not cool. Oh my God. Um, well, how old are you when you lost virginity? 15. To who? Was it after our talk? It- so you just fucking turn around and just slap me in the face? Actually, there's a picture of you with this person. From the talk you did at my school. Oh, oh yeah. It's all coming back to me. Oh, he's so cute and tall. Yeah. Probably I wanted to date him. He, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, kidding. he lives in Baltimore now. <laughs> okay. But. All right. Yeah, well, then you're all good. So you lost your virginity to somebody you liked. Yeah. That's fine. He's great. We're all good. I think you should take this guy's virginity, too. <laughs> I mean, just you feel that out. Listen, you're intuitive, you say? Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. It's fine. Don't take it too seriously. Like, he's, he's in love with you. You get along. Yeah. You know, it's not You say don't take it. My best friend has been with his girlfriend for like two years or something, like almost three years. And they waited so, so long. And he was like a little bit younger than her and whatever. And he says that that's what made their relationship successful. Waiting. So maybe it's not that successful and he's lying. I don't know. It's so different. It's so different. It's like I'm learning that like sex isn't as important as we make it out to be. And like, uh, yeah, I don't know what's important anymore. Connection, talking to someone, feeling safe with someone, learning how to be in a healthy relationship, learning how to be solid on your own and like, yeah, uh, not be like, we're not having enough sex or we, you know, I don't know. It's like also being able to talk about what's safe. What do you mean? Like, I feel like sometimes people are shy about being like, I mean, I even texted you. I was like, no one wants to wear a condom. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. That was recent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Men don't. It seems men like, don't want to wear condoms. Seems like because they're getting used to like, I also feel like a lot of girls like push not using condoms. Yeah. People like not safe sex. But you want to have safe sex, right? Yeah. You're so smart. Yeah. Yeah. So that means I mean, you have to buy the condoms and you just have to yeah. insist upon it. You just have to. And it's so scary and it's embarrassing. And it's like, especially in a moment where it's like, we're being sexy. And it's like, <laughs> words are not to be used right now, really, because you want to kind of just vibe off of your bodies and kissing and yeah. whatever. But yeah, you know, I'm finally reading. I didn't read Not That Kind of Girl, Lena Dunham's book for oh, yeah. a long time. Have you read that book? Yeah. So uh, what did you think of it? Um, I feel complicated and I don't know what I think of it, but I really enjoyed listening to it I on listen- an audiobook. I got the audiobook too. Yeah, when I I really enjoyed it, but I have complicated ideas about Lena Dunham, I think. Okay. I like it, but I'm not sure what I think about it. I feel like there are two topics that uh people are scared to talk about. Yeah. Uh condoms and Lena Dunham. I feel like no, I feel like, I feel like religion 
and Lena Dunham are two topics that I would like to avoid in our whole conversation. Okay? Because those are like landmines. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay? Yeah. I mean... Oh, my God. Let's avoid those landmines. Uh, anyway. I love Bernie, so... <laughs> That's... <laughs> Oh wow, yeah, that's and interesting. And Lena she's very into Hillary. Loves Hillary. Yeah, Hillary. I do watch Broad City. This is just like turning into some weird ramble session. But no. <laughs> oh, I never got into Broad City. I feel like I'm like so many years behind all this shit in pop culture because I like don't like to to listen yeah. to shit when it's like just happening. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh my god, everybody's reading not that kind of girl. It makes me feel like I've already read it, or it makes me feel like, oh, I don't want to be like, I'm not, I, I didn't listen to Serial when everybody's listening to Serial. I actually never got to it. Didn't read Not That Kind of Girl. Didn't get into Broad City. Uh, and now finally I'm reading Not That Kind of Girl. And, yeah. uh, and I, I like it. I, I haven't finished it, but the reason I was bringing it up as far as the condom conversation uh, is concerned is because it's about like guys taking, she had so many experiences where she was having sex with a guy and maybe she didn't really want to be, but she put herself in these precarious situations and then would notice like the dude took the condom off that she asked him to wear oh, yeah. and it was like flung in like a, you know, a fern or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, you just fucking have to. That's all like violating. It is violating. It's essentially, essentially she was, she was raped and she writes about being raped or yeah. whatever happened. Uh, these are like, anyway, but, uh, I'm guilty of the like not wearing condoms either. I'm like yeah. lazy. I think I have like this weird thing. This is going to be like uh, the most revealing I am during this podcast. But I feel like I, I'm like attracted to danger. So like, oh, yeah. So like, the, I'm like, yeah, we should wear a condom. But then like, I'm the one who like doesn't push for it. Like when I'm dating someone, and then yeah, because I'm like danger is sexy, but really I'm just being stupid. Yeah, because like more than ninety percent of people have HPV. I got the shot. You didn't get the shot? The Gardasil shot? Yeah. Get the shot. You did get it? Mm-hmm. All right. But still. Dad, I, Dad, she got the shot. Okay, but I know so many, <laughs> I know so many men who don't have it, who don't have the shot. Okay. Well, and of course, men, men aren't going to do anything because they're lazy. Men can't get tested for it. So then dudes going around with HPV who don't know they have it, That I think that's honestly how like so many people got it this is the takeaway from our conversation I'm men are fucking disgusting pieces of shit <laughs> i'm just kidding who are pushing us down trying to trap us in this patriarchy they are uh they're just i don't think it's men's fault i'm just kidding i whatever i know i watched this documentary about the masculinity thing i gotta remember the name of the thing uh the masks we always wear or something watch yeah. that documentary but yeah Men don't like, to, for the most part, to be to, to, to generalize, which is like a, a scary thing to do, but whatever. Men don't like going to the doctor. Yeah. Women are the ones who are like, usually the ones who go to the doctor, get their blood tested, try to make sure they're okay, all the stuff. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you want a guy to wear a condom, just fucking make him wear a condom. <laughs> and you have every right, even though it's awkward and whatever, to like get up and be like, you suck, dude. I'm, yeah, willing, no to let, I, I'm willing to let you put your privates in my privates and like, <laughs> that's not good enough. You're like, oh, I can't feel anything. It's different. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it, it also feels different when you end up with herpes. Yeah. You know what? I actually don't feel a difference if a guy wears a condom or doesn't wear a condom. It doesn't feel like, I actually yeah. like the condom because it adds another layer. <laughs> and it makes his private bigger. And by private, I mean dick. I feel like it's, anyway, so where do we go from here? I don't know. I, I feel I'm so glad I got to hash out all these ideas on the radio. Is there any? 
<laughs> is there anything we're not telling people about you that you want to get out there into the ether? Uh, we're going to die in 127 years. We're, people are going to be extinct. I'm trying to make this this TV show right now, and it's really scary. What? To, like, write proposals. Right, where to bury the lead? Throw, throw myself out there this week. Okay. I think... I think it's just... I basically want to leave this by saying... Sometimes you just have to jump in and, like, say what you need to say, even though you don't know how to say it. And I almost said no to being on the podcast because I was like, oh, I'm going to fuck it up. Like, I've been on the radio before. I really fucked it up that time. Sometimes interviews go really badly, whatever. But then I was just like, I just have to go for it. You just have to say yes. And sometimes you have an idea and you just... You, you gotta scream it from the mountaintop because no one else is going to. Um, side note of a side note, having nothing to do with that. Who should I date? <laughs> I just want to know. Are you single? I am dating. I'm dating a lovely person. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've probably already ruined it with my weird uh, daddy issues, and I've lashed out three times in a weird way. And he's so healthy that I feel like that has just may potentially killed it for him. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's not the case because uh, I'm trying to like rise to the occasion and just be like kind and easy and fun and upbeat version of me um, all the time unless there's an actual problem and not some weird non-problem that I'm just come up with for, uh, that's linked to like insecurity or daddy issues. Is that making sense? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just like to ask, I just like to ask my guests just to weigh in like psychically or just for fun, like who do you see me with? Whether it works out with this wonderful man that I'm dating now or it doesn't, I just like to get random opinions. Did you just put your hands under in your armpit and now you're smelling them? No, I okay. didn't put my hands in my armpit. Maybe that's my fantasy. Okay, keep going. <laughs> that was definitely your, your fantasy. <laughs> that's just the voice in my head. Um, Who do I belong with? You're like talking about me. You're like, oh, Lexi, she just married this guy. Like, uh, it makes so much sense. I mean, I feel like I don't, I don't know that many guys specifically i don't want to tell you who you should date i'm not even like a specific name what if i say someone who i think you should date and then they turn out to be like an asshole it doesn't even have to be a specific person like russell brand or whoever you're suggesting uh how about uh like just like a quality of person like like define explain the type of man i should be with because it might be the kind of that might be the guy that i'm dating right now who knows i think you should be with someone who you can tell everything to and you said it best. You sometimes love to, like, just throw it all out there and be open with people. And you should be with somebody who can take that and nurture it. All right. That's, like, the most important thing. I wish us both the best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on my show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Aristotle. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 